All right. Sorry about that, y'all. Hopefully my nose cooperates with me now. So, you know, we were just in up Texas, fixing out the Musketeers, and now we're back to the Uncinderella FAU, knocking off Kansas State, blowing up the rest of my bracket, you know, because all four of my final four teams lost yesterday, you know, but they did make it to the Elite Eight, so I'll take some kind of gratification out of that. But anyway, Texas State, uh, sorry, Kansas State came into this game looking for their first Final Four since 1964, which was led by Tex Winter, who you may remember for creating the triangle offense that made Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and so on and so forth, you know, turn into the players that we knew them to be. They had been in 0-8 in Elite Eights ever since that point. And guess what? They are now 0-9 because FAU brought it to them. So Keontae Johnson in the first half, two shots that he made, or sorry, that he attempted. He made one of them in two fouls. You know, then he came out, made the first basket in the second half. He scored a quick points. You know, they Kansas State ended up getting a charge, and I said, oh, boy, here comes that momentum. The best duo, you know, is back. You know, Marquise Noel, 15-7 and seven in the first half. He scored 12 in the last seven minutes of that half. You know, they had 12 points off of turnovers in the first half. So this was the game where you can say FAU was beating themselves. FAU helped themselves because they got into the bonus with about 8-16 left in the first. So it was free throws all the rest of the way. So both teams started out shooting 50% from the field. It had that Michigan State kind of feel where it was just all going back and forth. You know, um, Marquise Noel, I mentioned he had seven assists. That was Kansas State's only assist for the first half, which put them in a five uh, differential. So FAU had five more assists in the first half. You know, both teams started four for eight from three. So then fast break points, Kansas State had it, nine to two. So, you know, looking at this game objectively, you know, I was saying, well, you know what? FAU's winning, the game is close, but we're getting to that point now where, you know, FAU might be entering the danger zone because K-State were getting easy buckets where FAU had to work just a little bit more. And then, of course, uh, there was a play, right? I always bring it back to this against Michigan State. We had Tomlin grab that rebound, the offensive board, and the defenders went past him trying to get the board, and he got that easy layup, and I thought that was a pivotal moment in the game. Well, in the first half, there was a pivotal moment where Marquise Noel was falling out of bounds, and he threw that ball. He saved it. He threw that ball, looking like Joe Burrow throwing it up for Jamar Chase, you know, and it got caught by Desi Wells, and he blew that layup. And then John L. Davis comes down and hits a couple of free throws. So that was a four-point wing where I said, ooh, that might come back to bite them. So FAU was up four at the half. And it was like a really, and I don't mean any disrespect, but it was a really bipolar type of thing where FAU, in the first half, they were plus 13 on the boards. But they had 12 turnovers. So that's why it wasn't a dominant performance in the first half where you could walk away. FAU maybe has a 13 or 14 point lead and they put it on Kansas State. They put the pressure on them to have to come back in the second half. But like I said, Keontae George came out, scored the first basket of the second half, got a basket, you know, not even a minute after that. So it was starting to look good again. But then he picked up the third foul. K State up a charge, got the possession back. 
you know, got back on defense and he picked up his third foul. So he got the 13, the third team foul, his foul at about 14, 10 left in the second half to which all I wrote in my notes is FAU will not go away and go away. They did not. So they finally stayed the course. They took the lead on Vlad Golden's dunk at 610, which I thought was funny because he cleared the defender out. He stopped, paused, looked at the ref. He was like, oh, y'all not going to call that? Go on and give me these two points. So he was the man that kept FAU afloat. Charles Barkley mentioned that Golden was the best player on the floor. I still think Noel was, but I can't argue with it because one of those guys won and the other didn't. So, you know, um, FAU started hitting their threes. They went on a 15-to-1 run. But then Brian Greeley fouled out. You know, he was the leader besides Golden. He fouled with about 2.30 left, finished with 16 points, shot four for six from three-point range. And when he went out the game, they had a six-point lead. That Golden, who I mentioned, you know, the Russian, you know, 14 and 13, which included six offensive rebounds. So then walk through me with this, bear with me. It was just a lot going on. So Marquise Noel with the long three, you know, one of those Steph Curry shots that I got on him for taking. He just takes them. I don't see. He just takes them at the wrong time. Like he tries to be the hero. Like, you know, it was such a great player that is so great at setting everybody up. I would just like to see him let the game come to him a little bit more versus taking a heave from near half court. But he hit the long three at 142. You know, Golden came back down, missed the dunk. But then David Gasson fouled out. You know, so then, you know, Keontae Davis comes back in. He's off the glass at 110. Noel gets fouled at 106. There was an air ball with 39.2 seconds left. So this is going on. Kansas State is down, and they're trying to make this comeback. They got to start fouling. So Nick Boyd goes to the free throw line, and he misses. Cam Carter comes down for Kansas State, hits a three. It's a one-point game with 23 seconds left. And, you know, best friend was texting me, and he said, yo, FAU's going to do this. And I said, man, but these Wildcats got nine lives because FAU should be up seven or eight right now in one-point game. I'm still feeling a little nervous for FAU, even though I have no problem with saying outside of my bracket, Kansas State had no right and did not deserve to win that game because FAU put it on them in the second half. And if Kansas State would have got out of there, I came over here and told you it was all luck while celebrating my bracket. But Michael Forrest, he comes in the game. And why is Michael Forrest significant? Because most of you never heard of him before. He is the first recruit that head coach Dusty May recruited to FAU when he took the job. So I tell you, sports can only do this. You know, it's always poetic in this way. You know, he hadn't played all game, but being that Coach Dusty May is doing something improbable, it would only make sense that the first recruit that he ever recruited to the school, you know, would come through and have to take these free throws. So he made the two big free throws. And then Noel comes down the court. I thought he was going to take another one of the threes, but he faked me out. No look pass. Layup, 8.7 left with a one-point game. Kansas State fouls Forrest again. Now it's big time. Can this guy make two more free throws, at least make one to make it a possession game versus a point game? 
And, of course, he nails both of them. So, you know, three-point game now. Ishmael Masood, who hit the game winner for all intents and purposes against Sparty. He gets stripped. The ball is on the ground. They're fighting over the ball. The clock runs out. FAU to the Final Four. Come on now. You know, this is like the stuff that movies are made of. If You know, if this was no game, you know, they would have got a movie out of this. So, you know. Movie execs, if you're out there, you know, get up on this. You know, this drama is real. Congratulations to the Owls. And then the Zags. Woo! Woo! UConn was just too fast and athletic for them. You know, bottom line. I can give you all the stats in the world. I could tell you that Drew Timmy had four fouls and all this stuff like that. At the end of the day, they were just too quick, too athletic. And Hawkins is too a shooter in that Ray Allen vein. I only bring up Ray Allen because he went to UConn. But, you know, he's going to make an NBA team so happy one day. I love this kid. And, of course, there's my guy, Sonogo. And Gonzaga, apparently their game plan was just let's stop Sonogo from scoring and we can win this game. But the problem is going into halftime, Sonogo had five assists. So he was making the right decision. He was finding the open guy. He wasn't trying to force the issue. Gonzaga looked pitiful. You know, Drew Timmy coming off the 36-point game against UCLA. So I thought that, like, he had some momentum going his way, the way that they beat UCLA that would carry the day. But he was on the bench because he had three first half fouls. Uh, Noah Hickman, 37% three-point shooter. I remember him because he committed to Kentucky, you know, but he went to Gonzaga. And then 37% shooting on the season, 36.5 to be exact, hasn't hit a three in the tournament. So you would figure he got to get one to fall, right? Nope, he does not got to get one to fall. So, you know, so Gonzaga took their first lead of the game, 625 in the first half. That lasted all of 30 seconds. You know, they took another lead about a minute later, lasted all of 30 seconds. UConn dominated this game just like they did the Arkansas game. It just took a little longer to get to the point where they were up 20 or so. And just a side note real quick before I go any further, I hate the the possession arrow. You know, I like the NBA doing the jump ball. Like, just get rid of the possession arrow. Like, you're taking all the hard work that somebody did to cause the ball because NCAA officials want to call fouls when there's a jump ball most more than not. So let the guys jump it out. But anyway, um, so Sonogo, like I said, at the half, at the five assists, he had six points, eight boards. You know, Calcaterra for UConn and Caravan could not miss. Those dudes were throwing it up, and the net said, I will take that. So, you know, UConn just – it was just too much. They just led a barrage that Gonzaga couldn't recover from. And the best part about – and I don't know why we don't see this more often because we do have athletes. The game has evolved. We have more athletes than we've ever had before playing these sports. All of a sudden, UConn decided, huh, they can't shoot the three if we chase them off the three-point line. And that's what they did. Gonzaga would catch the ball, you know, and they would have to pump fake every time because by the time the ball touched their hands, the defender was all up in their mug. So, you know, they had no room to get a shot off. You know, they they couldn't even get to the point where 
They took a dribble step back. They took a dribble and a side step. They could do none of that because UConn was just there. So you see it on the screen. Are the Huskies the new favorite now? Because coming into the second half of this game, UConn had outscored their previous tournament opponents by 46 points. And that number only went up because they put it on Gonzaga. Before I looked, it was a point game. Drew Timmy picked up another foul, you know, with about 17, 39 left in the half. So not even a full two and a half minutes into the second half. He picked up his fourth foul, went to the bench for about five minutes, and it just all fell down. And then he came back into the game, couldn't do much because, you know, he had two offensive fouls, you know, in the course of his four fouls. So he just became a passer at that point and wasn't necessarily a willing scorer unless he was wide open. And that is not a Drew Timmy that's going to be effective. So now we sit and we wait because we know he loves Mark Few and Mark Few loves him. Is he going to come back another year? Is he going to go be a second rounder in the NBA or go to the G League? Is he going to transfer somewhere else with his COVID year? We'll just have to wait and see. I hope he doesn't transfer somewhere else because I just can't imagine Drew Timmy in another uniform, you know. You know, so Mark Few left them in, and then, uh, you know, UConn started the half with an 8-0 run, 8-0 runs, but then it was four minutes and a half, totaling up to a 22-5 run, and that's where the game just fell apart. UConn went up early, they went up by 18 early in the second half, and that was all she wrote. And the Zags are sitting next to me, joining me on the couch. UConn is in the final four, the sixth time or seventh time in school history. And UConn, if I know one thing about them, if you let them in the final four, they tend to win. So to this year, they've been six times and they got four titles. So you do the math, you know. You know, so we'll see what happens. You know, the final four is here. The madness is here. So then we got today. Today, we have Texas and Miami. I'm going to pick Miami. You know, I'm going to do it again, pick against Texas, because Disu is probably going to be out again. And I think Miami found something against Houston. They got that confidence, so we'll see what happens. You know, storyline-wise, it may be better for Texas to win just because what do you do with Rodney Terry, as I keep bringing up. And then San Diego State against Creighton. Let me tell you about West. Came into this tournament on an 11-game tournament losing streak. San Diego State is the only team that won out of four teams. So you had Nevada losing the play-in to uh, Arizona State. I think they called it the first four. I'm sorry, play-in is the NBA, the first four. You had Utah State lose to Mizzou, and you had Boise State lose to Northwestern. San Diego State got the win against Charleston, America's Smart, and it was just Flying high from there, you know, now they have three tournament wins this season. Putting the Mountain West on our back, saying, Pac-12, what do you think of us now? Pac-12, go and gobble that school up. Go and gobble that school up, you know. But anyway, with all that being said, Creighton. <laughs> I think Creighton is just too efficient. I think Creighton just does too much too well. San Diego State is not going to get blown out or anything like that. I just think that. Creighton and Miami are going to be your winners today. 
you know, we'll see what happens in the in the final or the Elite Eight today, leading us to the final four next week. I can't believe we're here already. I mean, this is just wild to me how fast this tournament goes. But it always seems like it lasts because how great it is. You know, you get so much action in one game, and all the games just about come down to the wire, you know, except for, like, I guess – Yukon games and whatever it was Texas did to Xavier. And, you know, I don't appreciate CBS on their, uh, you know, because Yukon coverage using my word, you know, they called it a demolition, you know, so, you know, it definitely was though. So, you know, but um, yeah, like I said, Pac-12, it's time to grab San Diego State. You know, maybe they get some recruits in football. The, the team improves. They're not bad in football, you know, not Oregon or Washington, but then again, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, none of those teams are either. But, you know, now San Diego State has proven their worth. They're in the Elite Eight one game away from the Final Four. It might just be time to get off the pot, Pac-12. You know, back to the ACC. You know, Miami has a chance to make the Final Four. Coming into tournament, everybody left the ACC for dead. Now, granted, Miami is one team that performed. You know, Clemson lost in the first round. Virginia lost in the first round. Pitt won their first four game and then, you know, beat Iowa State before they got dispatched by Xavier. But Miami, for all intents and purposes, are holding it down. And then, of course, there was Duke getting wrecking balled, you know, since I can't say demolition now. They got wrecking balled by Tennessee. So, you know, Miami is here, you know, and, you know, how long can this last? Because Jim Laranaga, like I mentioned, is 73 years old. So I don't know how many seasons he's going to be left at Miami. You know, I meant to mention a few weeks ago, what you want to make 2-5 feel old, take a dude that he watched play and make him a head coach. So, of course, you got people like Penny Hardaway over at Memphis, right? It didn't hit the same, you know, because Penny's career ended, unfortunately, early. So it didn't hit me as hard. But then when I realized that Syracuse has Adrian Autry as their head coach, I don't know how many of you remember, but I remember watching him play against Georgetown as a kid. He's the head coach. And I'm just, I mean, you would think the gray beard would give me that. But, you know, this would give you a hint when I saw Adrian Autry taking over for Jim Beheim. You know, it just... You know, and um, real quick, I want your thoughts on them. I was hearing conversation on the Odd Couple about whether Tom Izzo was a great coach or not because everybody can't be great. That is a thought that I subscribe to, that everybody can't be great. I just don't think it applies to Tom Izzo. But Tom Izzo and Jim Beheim, you know, for all the years that they spent at these universities to only have one title, does that stain them to you? In your eyes, does that make them any less being that they have one title? Or is it also just an element of the setup of the tournament, you know, where it's one and done, you don't always get adequate time. Like when you're going to the final four, you have this week in between. So you scout your opponent. You can put in all these plays and all these details to make the game better for you. Whereas a lot of these games are, you know, Friday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday. So you don't necessarily get the adequate time to focus on your upcoming opponent. Does that factor into you or does it even matter? Is that an excuse? I would like to know your thoughts on that, you know, but the NCAA tournament is here. We're winding down. The elite eight is here. 
you know, this is our last two games. And when we wake up tomorrow morning, we will have a final four. So, you know, what final four do you want to see? Are any of you fortunate enough to have had a final four that could be correct? Or are we all just done? You know, but looking at this, you know, San Diego State or Creighton, you know, if one of them won the title, is that a good thing for college basketball? Or is that just saying that the sport is in a down year and you don't appreciate it? Does UConn have to win it or Texas for a brand for you to feel that it was worth it? You know, so, I mean, at this point, I'm in on the hootie who. I would love to see FAU win it, you know, but we'll see what happens. So, yo, I just want y'all to know. I appreciate your support. We appreciate your support at Sports Reports is ordered. Please like us, subscribe, leave us a view. Let us know how we're doing. Give us five stars. Get on YouTube. Check us out. I apologize earlier for the nose issues, but it is what it is. I got through. We are here. I love you all. I love you, America. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the Elite Eight, baby. Final Four is here. The madness is here.